Hello and welcome to the first episode of Doctor's Corner. On this podcast, we will be able to learn about allergies from those who know them best, doctors. Be prepared for an in-depth, fascinating journey into the realm of food allergies. Today, um, we have a very special guest, um, uh, Dr. Um, Dr. Tam of uh, CHLA uh, Hospital. Welcome, Dr. Tam. Thank you for having me. <laughs> We appreciate the invitation. Yeah, we're very, very uh, thrilled to have you here today. So, um, so uh, we just have, um, I'm just going to ask, um, uh, like a series of questions, um, both about, um, like allergies in general, of course, um, and then also, um, also just like your job as an allergy, um, as an allergy doctor. So, um, I mean, I guess we could just start with, uh, like, what what inspired you to, um, to uh, choose the path of, um of allergies yeah you know i think um i i when i went to medical school i I wasn't sure what i i wanted to do um and uh, i think if you asked any of my uh, colleagues uh you know my the students my friends at the time um i think they always knew that i wanted to do pediatrics but i certainly didn't know um and i kind of explored everything but at the end of the day um it was you know, pediatrics that spoke to me, you know, mm-hmm. treating children and, and, and the, the, the diseases and supporting them through illness and getting them out the other side. And so, you know, that was sort of the first decision was, um, you know, you know, seeing kids rather than adults. Um, and, and, you know, now, ironically, I see both, but um, that was sort of the first decision. And, and, and mm-hmm. seeing, you know, how pediatricians take care of not only patients and fam- but their families, you know, and, and, and seeing medicine um, through the lens of a pediatrician is sort of seeing um, medicine, um, you know, very holistically in a, in a way that, that can be different than, than, than other subspecialties. And so that was the first thing. And, and once I started in pediatrics, um, you know, you start, you know, seeing different, uh, you know, other different disease states and, and sort of doing rotations through um, other subspecialties. And um, I went to uh, Northwestern University, and uh, at that time it was called um, Children's Memorial Hospital, but now it's called Lurie Children's Hospital. And um, they actually had an inpatient service, so I had a lot of access to the allergy immunology team there. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, when I rotated through, what I found was uh, allergy immunology has just this incredible... Um, you know, spectrum of diseases that it takes care of from the very, very common, just like allergies, right? Like environmental allergies affects, you know, greater than 20% of the population. So you're dealing with something that is extremely common Mm -hmm. um, to the super, super rare, like when, you know, seeing things like immune deficiencies, kids with no immune systems. Um, And so that was, uh, you know, seeing that sort of the breadth of, uh, of, uh, the, the, the problems that, that you would deal with as an allergist. Um, and then, um, sort of as I started down the path of, yeah, after I chose allergy as, as a path, because I was interested in sort of, um, the immunologic, the immunology that comes with, uh, you know, studying allergy and immunology, um, it then became, um, about, you know, even within the specialty, like what, what is, uh, you know, what kind of issues connected with me and, and food allergy was the sort of that next thing, right? Yeah. Um, 
when when you when you deal with uh you know families that are affected by food allergy you know giving them guidance and clarity on how to move forward is you know is very rewarding and it's very um you know it, it again it's it's a very common um disorder that is very frequently misunderstood so i you know i yeah. think um that, that's sort of how i started down that path you know Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that's very interesting. And also just, I guess, kind of encapsulates, um, the fact that, that like, you know, there's like so much, um, within the world of allergies, um, you know, even though it may not seem that way at first glance. Um, but, uh, um, yeah. So, uh, I think that we, uh, that we can now move on to the, um, to the, uh, you know, like more, um, like allergy topic focused questions. Um, the first of which is, um, and uh, I guess I think that you would maybe be particularly suited to this um, as a pediatrics doctor. Um, there's there's been a lot of um, interesting research about um, how adolescence can affect one's allergies. Um, like, do you have um, you know like like just given like maybe your like personal experience working with patients, um, like like would you say? Well, f first of all, of course, just like what's the relationship there, and second of all, like. Like, like, do, is there like, are, like, is it more common, for instance, for a patient to outgrow or develop their allergies? Or are there certain allergies that, um, that are, um, you know, um, more subject to fluctuation than others? Yeah, I mean, it's a, that's a, this is a great question. Um, the, you know, the effect on age and allergy and time and what, you know, how allergies evolve over time, you know, for the most part, um, you know, there are allergies that, uh, are outgrown, right? And so, you know, the most, the sort of the nine most common allergies are milk, egg, wheat, peanut, tree nut, fish, shellfish, and sesame, right? Mm -hmm. And of those, you know, milk, egg are two of the most common, but in general, kids will outgrow mm -hmm. um, milk and egg allergy. Um, and uh, peanut, on the other hand, uh, you know, uh, peanut and tree nut, kids tend to hold on to, and mm -hmm. fish and shellfish, are actually tend to occur more in adults. So it, it is, it's something that you gain later. And so what you see is in, in sort of in that top nine allergies, you see that whole spectrum of uh, starting and going away, you know, starting early and persisting and showing up late. Um, and sort of what's going on um, is, a, is a great question. Immunologically, is there something different that's going on in the body that's changing the way our immune system sees those allergens? And then further, is there something inherently different about those foods that makes it different? Is there something, you know, inherently different about milk and egg than peanut and, and tree nut, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, you know, this goes on to the sort of the idea, too, of like um, how we develop allergies in general, you know, one of the things that is a, is big in allergy at the moment is early introduction. Can we prevent food allergies in, in young kids, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, certainly it seems like with early introduction, giving kids foods early on can prevent uh, food allergy because we're using the sort of the normal processes of the gut, you know, these active processes of our, uh, of our gut immune system to prevent the food allergy. Whereas if we wait too long and they see things through the skin or, or, or uh, through different mechanisms, then they might actually develop food allergy. And so right. um, this idea of a window, like a window of opportunity to like try to prevent it, right? Um, and similarly, like the, you know, the question of, of, of immune elasticity. So like, 
you know, like, is your immune system pliable during a, a period of time? So can uh-huh. we influence it um, during that that more plastic time before it gets sort of set and, you know, you're, you're stuck with, you know, outcomes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And would that be why, um, why oral, uh, oral immunotherapy is, um, is kind of, uh, more effective in kids than adults? Is that, is it kind of playing? I mean, that's, I think that's one of the thoughts, right? Uh Like that, that sort of, um, sort of timing and, 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 uh, age plays a role in that. And and certainly Mm -hmm. it does seem that, there is, uh, you know, either an ease uh, of of doing things like oral immunotherapy for foods, you know, early versus, you know, as you get older. Yeah. 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 Um. So. Uh. So I think that you kind of you kind of touched um on one topic that I wanted to maybe explore a little uh, a little more deeply, which is um I think that especially recently there has been some uh I, I guess pretty gro- groundbreaking research in regards to um to the relationship between uh, um, one's gut microbiome um, and, uh, and their allergies. Um, like, have, like, could you maybe, like, uh, like walk us through, um, uh, like, ex- exactly what that relationship is? And also, if there have been, um, you know, any, like, maybe even, like, forms of new treatment that have been looking to capitalize on this, on this new finding? Yeah, I mean, um, I think there are a lot of things there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, starting first at um, our, uh, you know, does the microbiome um, affect the way or your risk of developing food allergy, uh-huh. right? So certainly, um, you know, there are studies looking at uh, the microbiome of infants that with and without food allergy and trying to look at if, if, you, if you're missing um, certain gut bacteria, are you more or less likely to be at risk of developing food allergy? And there certainly are, you know, there are studies that look, for example, at, um, things like, uh, uh, you know, bifidobacterium and, and, um, uh, bifidobacterium, I think B. infantis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so these sorts of like, um, bacteria that are classically associated with breastfeeding and maybe protective against food allergy and sort mm-hmm. of trying to capitalize on, on, on trying to, you know, increase that, you know, those bacterial strains, but nothing, um, is, you know, definitive in, in that way, you know, there's that we haven't said like, Oh, if you just replete this one bacteria, then, then, you know, then, uh, you know, you, you'll, you'll solve food allergy. Um, now, uh, the other piece of that is, um, you know, you know, therapeutics, right? Like trying to, um, uh, exact, do exactly this. Like if somebody has food allergy, can you sort of reverse the process with some sort of, um, uh, probiotic or, or, or a bacterial strain or something like that? Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, they, in, to this end, they have done things like, for example, the group in Australia has looked at oral immune therapy with probiotics, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, unfortunately, the the first study that they they did didn't have the right control group, and so uh, I don't I don't think it really um, it was very illustrative. Uh, they have since then, uh, you know, repeated um, that study with the with the control group, looking at um, oral immunotherapy with and without the with without the, with the probiotic, and, and you know what what that showed is is really that um, with the probiotic, some of those those gut symptoms, so, you know, um, 
gut irritation, abdominal pain, these sorts of things that you can get with oral immunotherapy, uh, maybe less in that in that the group, but certainly uh-huh. it didn't show massive improvement um, compared to um, compared to just regular oral immunotherapy, you know, in the way that we would want to see it, right? Right, right, um, right. And then, and then, you know, there's things that are, you know, sort of exciting that, that may have major impacts down the line, but that aren't um, sort of ready for prime time. But, you know, like Catherine Nagler and at, at the University of Chicago is working on, you know, these sort of microbiome projects to sort of um, see if, if, if there are, you know, these encapsulated micro, you know, probiotic type things um, that can influence um, gut microbiota uh, to, to influence food allergy. But, I, you know, those are sort of future things, um, but, but have some promise. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds very exciting. Um, all of the, uh, you know, like all of the possible um, uh, treatments that could maybe, um, you know, come uh, as a result between the link between uh, gut microbiome and allergies. And also, I just had a quick question in terms of the oral immunotherapy aspect of it. Um, uh, so was this oral immunotherapy, was it basically, um, was, I mean, I'd, I'd assume that it was basically consuming the allergies um, in conjunction with consuming probiotics, right? Right. Right. Okay. So, so there wasn't like any, because I was thinking maybe, um, like it wouldn't be possible to like, it might seem crazy, but like to just use like the probiotic aspect, um, in order to reduce one's allergies. Correct. That would be not right now. Right. right. I think, yeah, you know, yeah. I think that's, that's kind of the stuff that like, um, you know, is, is being worked on, like, uh-huh. I, like I said, by, by other groups looking at, um, new technologies and, you know, um, right that you know you know in my, in for example in mouse models have has have shown some um benefit but like mm-hmm. you know mice are not men and so you know mm-hmm. things don't always turn out that way so we just have to wait and see if if um if those translational projects you know into humans will 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 work out yeah you know? right okay yeah that that, that 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 makes sense um so then also i wanted to um to ask you a little bit about um about uh like cro- basically cross reactivity which of course um you know it's just like uh how like certain allergies are often correlated with others could you uh could you maybe uh maybe maybe walk us through that and also just how um at least um in my experience undergoing hormonal therapy with with you of course um was just um was um just that you know like for instance i uh consume a certain amount of uh, uh, cashews, a certain number of cashews every day. Um, and, uh, uh, and that kind of, uh, covers also my, um, my allergy to pistachios because I am allergic to, uh, to the same, uh, protein in both of them. Right. So could you maybe like talk, like talk us through, um, like what cross reactivity is and the implications of it? Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there are a couple things that, um, uh, that, you know, people kind of mix up sometimes. So, uh, and you, you obviously have not, you've got it right down pat, but, uh-huh. um, the idea here is like, sometimes people will talk about cross reactivity when they mean co-sensitizations, meaning like two mm-hmm. allergies tend to show up together. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, for example, like, yeah, you know, lots of people, uh, like, you know, 20% of people with peanut allergy also have a tree nut allergy. Right. That is not 
that is not cross reactivity. That is right. just, you know, two things that occur together, right? Uh-huh. Two different things that occur together. Then there are, there's cross reactivity where like, let's say you have botanically related foods. And so there are proteins within those foods that are similar. And so that if you have antibodies that recognize that protein in one, you will it will either have such a, a related protein that, that that antibody will also see it in the other one. And so right. that's really what we're talking about with cross-reactivity. And so exa- exactly right, you know, uh, you know, about 90% of kids that have um, uh, cashew allergy will all have this cross-react, have an antibody that, you know, cross-reacts with pistachio, right? Right. Um, you know, and, and again, it's because, you know, foods are mixed these mixed things, right? They're not just one protein. They're 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 sort of mixed. They're multiple proteins, multiple epitopes, or places that antibodies can recognize. Um, and so um, it's sort of like not all, you know, the antibodies you make. Not all of them will be problematic, right? But then there tends to be ones that are more problematic, and mm-hmm. those ones that are more problematic tend to recognize the the same things that stand out in in uh these foods right so like if you have trouble with cashew then you have trouble with pistachio you know like another one another nut that we very frequently say has cross reactivity is walnut and pecan right yeah yeah however that is not as strong a relationship as cashew and pistachio so if you look at cross reactivity studies like how frequently does if you have an allergy to one, do you have cross reactivity with the other? It's it's less powerful. That that relationship is less powerful. So if, like I said, if it's like let's say it's like 90 percent with cashew pistachio, you know, with pecan uh, and and walnut, you know, it's it's lower. We're talking yeah. you know seventy percent, sixty five, you know, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very interesting because I mean I might be totally wrong about this, but from a theoretical standpoint, I would think that. You know, if the same, if the, uh, like the same thing is causing, um, you know, like, um, like is inducing, uh, like the increase of a certain antibody, um, and like that same thing is present in two different foods, it would be like a 100%, uh, you know, uh, like, 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 like 100% of people who are, for instance, allergic to pistachios are also allergic to cashews, but I guess that that's, that's not the case. So that's, that's interesting. Um, so then, um, also, um, uh, I was, I, this, this, um, uh, is, uh, I guess something, something that, as you know, is kind of, is kind of like, uh, personally related to me, um, is that, um, like the, uh, and I'm, I'm not sure how recent, uh, eosinophilic, um, esophagitis, esophagitis has, um, has kind of like become a big thing. Um, but I think that, um, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't know. I said, I think I know that, that there's definitely like a rela- a relationship between, um, EOE uh, which is of course the abbreviation for it, um, and, uh, food allergies, um, and also maybe even, uh, like, uh, a more close relationship between EOE and oral immunotherapy. So, um, so is there, uh, like, could you maybe like, uh, like talk us through like what exactly why that is? Yeah. So, you know, EOE, uh, or eosinophilic esophagitis is, um, a, a problem where eosinophils, which are a certain type of uh, immune cell that is in the blood, should not and should not be present in the esophagus or you know the our feeding tube, the tube that connects our mouth to our stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, it shouldn't be there, right? Mm-hmm. And so, 
um, you know, in uh, some people and kids, they, they, can, they can get an infiltration of these eosinophils into the, the esophagus. And that's problematic because they shouldn't be there, right? And um, what you can get with eosinophilic esophagitis is um, some uh, swallowing difficulty, you know, feelings of reflux, choking with foods, um, uh, you know, ki- ki- young kids can get failure to thrive or that, you know, inability to, to grow or gain weight. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not a great thing. Now, uh, we don't know exactly what the, um, you know, the, the, the exact mechanism of EOE is, but we think that, you know, for the most part, it's very frequently food driven or like, uh, you know, for lots of people, not all patients with EOE, um, that, uh, it, it is driven by exposure to certain allergens. Right. Mm. Um, and we know that, that, that is, we know that that's the case because in, in, in kids and not, this is outside of OIT, right. Yeah. But like, Kids with that are found, kids and adults that are found to have EOE, lots of them respond to diet therapy. So removal right. of certain things from their diet, and their EOE gets better. Right. Now, um, uh, so you know, then it it moves to 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 you know, it would make sense that if you're eating something that you're allergic to, um, and you sort of your esophagus is getting exposed to that, you know, and again, it's controlled, it's through you know, like something like oral immunotherapy, that you would be at risk of developing this sort of EOE. And that's exactly what we see, you know, with, um, with, um, with OIT, mm-hmm. you know, five to 15, somewhere percent of kids that go through OIT may have, um, may develop this EOE. And, and for, mm-hmm. for most of those kids, unless they had pre-existing EOE to other things, um, it goes away with removal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, of course, of course, like, like, especially like in my experience, I guess it's, it's, um, it's possible to treat both one's allergies and EOE using OIT. Um, but, uh, but, um, but yes. So, uh, so anyway, um, this, this is just a very general, a very general question, but, um, of course, like there is, um, there has been a massive increase in terms of uh, in terms of the number of people that are affected by um, by allergies, um, particularly um, I guess uh, peanut allergies um, is uh, de- definitely one of the most ubiquitous ones. Um, but um, have you seen like 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 have you seen any allergens more like like you know maybe in the past few years um, that have um, that have come to be far more. Um, uh, you know, far more common recently, and also like, what do you think accounts for uh for this rise in allergies, like just in allergies in general? Mm. Uh, that's like the sixty-four million dollar question or whatever. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, yes. Uh, you know, we've we've certainly seen over the last uh, you know twenty years uh, rise in in peanut allergy. Mm-hmm. Uh, tree nut seems to be rising a little bit, and certainly I feel like. You know, of that, I see a lot of cashew, mm-hmm. um, maybe some walnut allergy. Um, but, um, you know, peanut is the one that is sort of the elephant in the room for, for most for mm-hmm. most of us. Um, as for why it's rising, you know, um, it's probably a, a mix of, um, you know, a, a mix of um, reasons. Um, mm-hmm. You know, is it, you know... 
is it sort of the the hygiene or microbiome microbiome hypothesis where you know we aren't getting the right stimulus um you know that we you know we weren't made to be in sort of this clean environment that that certainly could be playing a role is it you know viral exposures that that are are driving it you know none of these things i think are are proven um we you know one of the things that was certainly a um self-inflicted wound though was uh, you know the the recommendations for feeding and when to feed Mm -hmm. um have gone through lots of different iterations and i sort of mentioned earlier about how now we're sort of like pushing early introduction because um you know gideon lack and 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 his group showed through a what was called the leap study that early introductions can prevent can prevent food allergies in high-risk kids and you know sort of the data since then has, sh- has shown that even in, in low-risk kids, kids that aren't at risk of developing food allergies, that, that even, you know, feeding them all um, is uh, it early it is likely to prevent food allergy. Now, that wasn't always the recommendation. So, like, sort of inherent in sort of the idea that we are now, like, you got you to feed early is that we didn't always say that. And, in fact, you know, we used to say the opposite because we didn't know the mm-hmm. idea that, like, Oh no, high risk foods, you got to hold them. You know, you got to wait, you know, no milk until one, no egg until two, no peanut until three. Mm -hmm. This sort of thing was gospel for, you know, for, for, you know, pediatricians in, 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 in the U.S. Um, and the Western world for, for several years before, you know, we sort of like corrected ourselves and like, why, why are we doing that? Why are we saying that? Is that, you know, is that evidence based? Do we have any reason to be saying that? And the answer was no, we didn't. And yeah. like when people started asking the questions and sort of trying to produce evidence, it seems like it's completely the opposite. So we've sort of swung hard in the other direction. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess just like another example of conventional wisdom not being always uh, very indicative of the truth. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, and I, I guess so. Do you think that? Um, do you think that? Because I was just thinking, like, I mean, like, I I don't have any empirics to back this up, but I'd assume that humans are probably just, like, over the past few decades are maybe being exposed to, uh, to, like, less forms of bacteria than, uh, or not bacteria specifically, but just, like, you know, being exposed to less things in general than they maybe, than they, of course, um, than they, of course, used to. And then I guess that the, um, that the whole, uh, the whole, um, you know, uh, like 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 you said the whole concept of um like withholding these um uh uh like the feeding of um of uh certain allergens to kids um maybe also and maybe accounted for the rise and and do do you know do you know exactly when like like um do do you know I'm just curious did that um like did the spreading of that um of that theory did that coincide with the rise of allergens uh, or of uh, kids with allergies or like could that maybe be part of like the part of the reason for it or sort of you mean the 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 re- re- telling people to avoid foods you mean exactly yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, no not exactly no, it, okay. it, it, okay. it, it, it probably made it worse yeah um so i you know it was a response to the start of sort of the seeing the rise in allergies and so uh-huh. you know did it did it bring it on by itself? No, I don't think that's the only reason why we're seeing it, but certainly it didn't help. Right, yeah, it just exacerbated the situation. Okay, that makes sense. Um, 
Okay, cool. Well, um, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Dr. Tam. It was, uh, like, a pleasure having you on here. Thank you so much for, for agreeing to, uh, to share your knowledge with the, uh, with the um, emerging allergy uh, treatment uh, listeners. Yeah, it'd be yeah. great. We can do this again sometime. It was it was really great t- talking to you. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Tam.